Hi, this is Monica Davis from The Hidden Veggies, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 326. Today, I have Monica Davis with me. She is going to tell us all about her tips and secrets and whys and reasons for growing an email list. Monica Davis is the blogger behind The Hidden Veggies. She is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and lives with her husband and two teenage boys. Monica enjoys inventing new recipes since she went vegan over 22 years ago. Her specialty is creating recipes for normal everyday vegan comfort foods that everyone will love. If you crave it, Monica can prepare it vegan. She specializes in homemade vegan basics such as vegan cheeses, butter, mayo, and dressings, plus faux meats, eggs, and seafood. And I've had some of your faux meats and all of your amazing vegan stuff, Monica. It's so good. I never thought I would say that about vegan food, but it's so delicious. Thank you. You are definitely a vegan magician. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks for being here. I'm super excited to chat with you today. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice Good. to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So you're, I have to mention this before we get into your fun fact. Your vegan cheese magic happens on Instagram. And I see like this. It's so magic the way you put all of these non-dairy ingredients together and create this thing that looks like cheese. And <laughs> I have told you this before, but I've actually had like all night long dreams about your vegan cheese, okay. which is so weird, but it, it's you are like the only that one, magic. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't dream about your vegan cheese. I mean, it is very good, but vegan cheese is one of the hardest things to make vegan and, and tastes like the original. So yeah, it's not for everyone, but it is actually the most popular recipe on my blog. And yeah, it's delicious, I think, but I haven't had cheese in 22 years. So, Oh, right. <laughs> okay. So beyond all of that, do you have a fun fact to share with us? My fun fact is that I hiked almost 900 miles of the Appalachian Trail alone with my dog in the year 2000, the summer of 2000. Wow. And you met your husband that way, right? I did. I met my husband about a week into the trail. We were both staying at the same hostel and yeah, we started talking about this history. Yeah. Cooks, you know, stoves, you know, and stuff like that. (laughs) And he was vegan at the time and I had just gone vegan. I was actually doing the macrobiotic diet at the time, a very strict version to get over some health issues. I had I had been sick a couple years prior to that and hiking the Appalachian Trail was just kind of like my celebration hike of feeling better. So mm. yeah. Aww. I love your story and that's such a cool story. And yeah, like who meets their husband on a long walk? I yeah. Mean, goodness. Yeah. Nine, did you say 900 mile hike? Well, it's two, it's over 2000 
miles. The but whole your thing. portion was my, yeah. I just had the summer. I was a, a teacher at the time, and I had my summer off. So yeah, I had nine weeks to hike, and I hiked about hundred miles a week. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so that's amazing. Oh, so fun though. I love hiking. I need to do a fun big adventure like that sometime. Yeah, through well, hikes are really fun too because you know you don't have to turn around and go back where you came from. Oh, right, so, right. I, I love through hikes. Yeah, mm, you just keep going and eventually come out on the other side or somewhere. Yeah, no, you just have somewhere. to have a ride somewhere <laughs> at the other side. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, well, you are in the eBlog Talk Mastermind, and we've talked at length about your amazing email strategies and growth. And I think that one of the first times you talked about your email list, you were a little shocked to find that the rest of us were like nowhere near what your email list was at. You were like, well, is that normal? And we were like, no, <laughs> that's not definitely not normal to have that many subscribers. In a good way, we were just all in awe of how you did this. We were like, please tell. So I love your strategies and just the way you approach email and growing a list because I feel like it's a little bit unconventional, like kind of the way you approach your vegan food. Like you don't necessarily go to your competition and do what they're doing. You literally just create what you think works and it kind of applies to your email strategy too. So what made you want to start growing your email list? What prompted you to go down that path? Well, about three years ago, I was just randomly listening to this podcast. And it's not even a, a food blogger podcast, but just kind of a general business. And Abby and Donnie Lawson from Abby Organizes was talking about their strategy. Abby, used, I think it, it used to be called A Girl in Her Blog, and now it's Abby Organizes. But they just had such a brilliant strategy about how to grow their list and how to sell to their list. And at the time, I was, I think I was getting close to maybe having 2,000 subscribers where I knew I was going to have to start paying for the list. And I was like, why am I going to pay all this money for this list that really doesn't pay for itself. You know, I couldn't see the ROI in it. But their strategy was to get people landing, you know, on their website, on their most popular pages coming from wherever, and then creating an opt-in offer that was very targeted to why ever, the reason that someone was coming to their site to begin with, and then putting them into a sales funnel. So you just have this list of people who are very interested in what you are doing. So I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it is. And it it is a little bit different than what we do now. I feel like we don't necessarily target people to that degree, like really giving them something that they want yeah. and then building our list with people that really want to be there, right? I feel like it's a right. little bit different than what most people do. Yeah, and I think it's, it's hard on a food blog too, because we have recipes, you know, especially general food bloggers, our recipes are just all over the place. So you might get somebody coming from Pinterest to your salad recipe, but then your opt-in offer is for, you know, five chocolate desserts or something. And they're trying to get healthy or trying to make a salad for a potluck. They're not interested in the desserts right then. So you lost yeah. them and they're just going to click out of it and not pay any attention to it. So, you know, I decided 
I needed to look at my traffic and look at, you know, why people were coming, what they were landing on, and then what I could offer them as a free opt-in offer that would target the reason that they were there. And then in the future, sell them a product. In my case, an ebook. And kind of in the back of my mind, I had a few ebooks that I thought oh, maybe I would write, but that hadn't yeah. even happened so, yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so, it was so how a did very you decide? long-term plan. It was it's like three years of planning, and I'm still in the process of carrying out the plan. I don't have it all the way I want it yet. Oh, interesting. So it's not like a quick thing. Like I'm gonna put up an offer next week and it's going to be done in like the next quarter. It's this is an ongoing, very long-term situation. Right. Yeah. Like I have three opt-ins right now on my site that a lot of my recipes are either like the vegan staples, I call them. I don't really know a better word for it, but like butter, mayonnaise, sour cream, those kind of things that you can make. And I also have tons of vegan cheese recipes and those do really well. And like I said, my main vegan cheese recipe is the most popular recipe on my site. So I get a lot of traffic from that. And then I also had, I did a, not this past holiday season, but a year and a half ago, I did a ham and a turkey that did really, really well. And it's made from seitan, which is a wheat gluten. And so, and I've made a lot more recipes since that have also done well in that category. So I'm getting a lot of people in that category as well. So I made a third opt-in offer for seitan. So my three opt-in offers are like a mini version of my eBooks that I have for sale. So say somebody Googles vegan cheese, they come to my site, they find me, they like the cheese recipe, they see that I have an opt-in offer to get this mini ebook that teaches them more about making homemade vegan cheese. They sign up for that. Then they get the cheese ebook immediately as soon as they give me their email. And then they get into my sequence, the email sequence in general. And then the, I think it's the next email I you know, offer them a discount on my cheese ebook that's for sale. So they just kind of get into that sales funnel. That was kind of my idea of how I could also sell more ebooks because, you know, people say ebooks don't sell or, you know, cookbooks don't sell. And I think it is very hard when we offer so many things for free, but I think it's easier to sell to a very targeted list of people who are there for that specific reason. Okay, so how did you decide which topics to talk about in your ebooks? So you said that you went into your traffic and you just kind of were trying to figure out like where are people going? Why are they coming? So how did you pinpoint yeah. those few things? I just kind of categorized what my most popular posts were and then what I could offer them that was similar enough content that I thought that they would want more of and also what I would have a something to sell. So, you know, if they are coming to me for a seitan recipe, and then I offer them a mini ebook with five more seitan recipes, then hopefully they'll be interested in my full ebook with 30 seitan recipes that then they'll purchase. So it was a matter of just really looking at my traffic and seeing, putting it into categories. 
So, and and like I said, I'm not done. I have a lot more opt-in offers that I would like to do in the future. I mean, I think just easy vegan recipes for beginners, you know, these are very specific. I know the people I'm getting on my list are are not like quick and easy dinner kind of people. These are mm-hmm. people who are willing to like spend their Saturday making vegan cheese. So, <laughs> you know, and then dreaming about it. And maybe. then dreaming about it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, if they come for a quick and easy pasta recipe, which I also have, I want something to be able to get those people in as well. Mm-hmm. So, what's your ultimate goal for like how many opt-ins do you dream of having? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Endless amounts. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe like five or six, like different okay. opt-ins at least. I mean, I have three now, so and then I have a couple more in mind. Yeah, maybe at most like ten. I think the people that I was referencing in in the beginning from Abby organizes. I think they have two hundred freebies on their site. What? Yeah, it, it's insane. Whoa. They very specifically target like almost every post that they have or the majority of the posts that they have, they have a very specific opt-in offer that gives them more on the same post. I mean, that's a different, it's a different kind of blogging too. So I don't know if that would really work with food blogging, but it's interesting because, you know, people are in the mindset when they're on your site for whatever post it is, that's what, you know, they're interested in in the moment and they're excited about. So if you can get them to give you your email, you know, when they're interested in that, then you're much more likely to get their email. So is this the way you're doing it? You're thinking down the road to your end goal. So your end goal is having ebook products to sell from different categories and then you're kind of working backwards. So yeah. what's the freebie that would support it and then what you need to do to get people to get the freebie? Is that how you think of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and my eBooks or the, the free eBooks that I have are mini versions of my bigger eBooks just to make it easier for myself partially. So the introduction is the same, like the tips and tricks about you know, making your homemade seitan, those remain generally the same. And then I pick five recipes from that. The five recipes also are already on my blog. Like Mm. they can dig around and find them. I'm not like recreating the wheel here. I am writing the introduction to a book that I'm going to be writing anyway to sell. And then I'm taking five recipes that are going to be in the book, but are already on my blog and sharing them. And it comes out to be, I think my my mini ebooks are about 20 pages, but there it's a lot of good high quality information on that very specific topic and people appreciate it so much. They love them. And I get a thank you letter almost every day from oh. somebody who subscribed saying like this is so helpful. I'm so glad to have all of this information compiled together. So, it's nice to hear that yeah. People appreciate it too. I kind of felt weird about, well, it's already on my on my site. You know, do they really want it? But it it's nice to have it compiled, I think. And yeah. a little extra explanation on things. And it saves people from having to search. Like that can take some time searching and and then where, like, how do you put it all together? Do you bookmark everything and then you have to come back to it? So yeah, I can see where that would just simplify everything. 
for people. So your big eBooks, the big versions, is everything inside of their content from your site or do you have new content as well? I always have new content in okay. those as well. There's a, there's a lot of recipes that are are the same. It's about half and half, you know, existing and then and then some new recipes that I don't share anywhere else cuz yeah, I feel like you know, why buy the book if you can't get every single yeah. thing. But even even then people, you know, just appreciate having the book and yeah. having that work done for them, if, you know, and having it all in one place. So I know this is a hang up for a lot of food bloggers. We are like recipe creators and we create recipe posts and we get to the point in our business where we're, we make the decision we want to make money. And so we need to actually sell beyond what we make for ads, advertising. So that is a huge thing for a lot of food bloggers. I remember going through that, that as well. Like, how do I they're on my list. How do I sell to them? They're here to see free recipes and get free content. So did you have to get past that? And like, how did you deal with all of that yourself? Yeah, I had to really get over it because I hate emailing people. (laughs) First of all, I always felt like I was (laughs) bothering them. Like, oh, I have a new recipe. Should I really email my list? You know, so I had to get over that feeling like I was bothering people by emailing them. And then I think part of what helped me get over it is the fact that, you know, you have to pay for these email services, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was on ConvertKit for a little while. And then the more subscribers I was getting, you know, the more you had to pay. And it was like over $100 a month that I was paying to have this list and they had to give me something back. So, you know, I just kind of made this mental shift. Like if they're on my list, they signed up for it. And, you know, if I sell an ebook to them once or twice a year, then they can always click unsubscribe. You know, it's down at the bottom. (laughs) If I'm making them mad, they can leave. And and also getting okay with people leaving too, with people unsubscribing. You know, I think your first year blogging, it kind of hurts your feelings. You're like, oh, I got a new subscriber. And then you send out an email and then you lose five and... Yeah. You get over it after a while, but... And you realize quickly that these people clearly weren't meant to be on your list. Like they weren't there for the right reasons. You don't want those people there. And it took me a while to get past that shift too. Like, yeah, if they don't want to be here, I don't want them here. That's fine. We're not a good pair. Right. And also, I'm giving them free stuff. You know, I'm giving them at least one, if not two or three new recipes every week. I giving them a free ebook for opting in. I'm giving, 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 you know, 99% of the time. And occasionally I have a new book out and, yeah. and I don't even care. You know, if, if people don't buy it, then, you know, it's not for them as well. And I try not to, you know, let that bother me either. You know, it's, I'm giving them a product that hopefully that they want. And, and need and, and is going yeah. to solve a problem, right? Mm-hmm. A really big problem. Yeah. And that was another thing, you know, when I was trying to decide, you know, what opt-in offer to have and what ebooks to sell. I was really trying to solve a problem. And a big problem for vegans is that the cheese just doesn't taste good, you know, and spent 
you know, years in my kitchen <laughs> playing around with different yeah. cheese recipes. And those were the best, you know, ones that I had. And so I felt like I solved this problem for a lot of people that wanted to give up dairy or needed to give up dairy and, you know, wanted a, a better tasting option that would help them give it up. So yeah, if you feel like you're solving a problem and helping them, then it becomes much easier. Is that step one, you would say, for anyone listening who's like, yes, I need to grow my list. I don't know how. Just digging into your analytics, figuring out what that one or two or three or five problems are that you can solve for people. Is that where we start? Yeah, I think so. I think look at your most popular content, you know, look who's coming in and why and kind of put those into groups, maybe, you know, um, healthy recipes or quick and easy recipes or dessert recipes or whatever it is that you're getting the majority of your traffic from. And then at the same time, think into the future, a year or two ahead, could you make an ebook or a course or something to sell to that group of people so your list can work for you once you get the people? And then maybe even do two different opt-ins. Maybe you have tons of people who are interested in salads, but tons of people who are interested in desserts. Then like on my site, I have embedded at the bottom of like within each of my cheese posts, there's an opt-in for the cheese free, you know, the free ebook. And within all my seitan recipes or vegan meat related recipes, I have a different opt-in embedded specifically to my seitan ebook. Mm -hmm. And the same with my vegan staples. So trying to categorize those and then having a highly targeted opt-in offer within that post specifically, not just the pop-up. So, okay. and I do recommend pop-ups, definitely. I have tested so many things over the years and I keep trying to give up pop-ups because I hate them too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I know. So what are your tips on pop-ups? Um, yeah, they do. I know it's kind of sad, but they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to have one. I try to have... I think mine is on a 30-second delay. I would delay it kind of as much as you can. I actually wish I could delay it even a little bit more because I feel like people need to get into the content a little bit. Like if, if they're only on your site for 10 seconds, I don't think they know mm. enough about you to give you their email. So definitely do a delay or an exit intent pop-up. So it's not popping up too quick before they even know what your website's about. I also, I use Flowdesk now and Flowdesk has uh, three options on their pop-up. I think it's a new thing. I just started using it about two months ago and my signups have increased since I gave mm -hmm. people options. And since I have three opt-ins on there now, I don't want people coming to one of my seitan recipes and then getting a pop-up for the opt-in for the cheese recipes. Right. That's confusing. So now at least they have three options. They see, oh, she has three different eBooks that I can opt into and they can opt into all of them. That's a whole nother story. And it was like, you know, a whole thing to get the email sequences to work when they opt into multiple choices. 
but I got that to work as well. And that's not easy, right? I mean, figuring, depending on what email service provider you're using, some of them are a little hard to, because that's complicated. Yeah. You say, did it take you a while to figure that out? Yeah, it did. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know where to start with that one. Right. And we don't have to get into that, but the bottom line is that it's worth, it's worth it to just dig in a little bit and figure out how to make that work. Yeah, I I think it I think it is worth it. If you have more than one opt-in, I'm not sure if other service providers are having that three-year multiple opt-in checkboxes on their their pop-ups. I'm I just know Flowdesk is doing that now, and it is working well, and it's nice yeah. that I can have that option. Yes, that is super nice. Hey there, food bloggers, popping in for just a quick break to talk about the amazing Rank IQ. I love this keyword research tool, and you've heard me talk about this extensively in the past and how much it has helped me grow my traffic on my food blog, Pippin Ebby. Today, I'd like to focus on one specific part of the tool, and that is how fast I can write a post compared to my pre-Rank IQ days. Why is it faster? First of all, I dive into each post I'm writing with confidence because I know that each keyword has been handpicked by Brandon himself. With other tools, I find that I approach each keyword tentatively because I really don't know how it will perform or whether it's worth my time and effort. Secondly, the optimizer in Rank IQ provides very specific recommendations about content to include inside the post. This makes my writing go so much more smoothly as the optimizer acts as a guide leading the way to a comprehensively written post. And last, I don't do as much searching and waffling on the front end of landing on a keyword for all of the above reasons. So I dig into the writing portion really quickly and with laser focus. If this sounds intriguing, go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. You're going to love it. Now let's get back to the episode. I've seen yours. I love it because you can, as the user, you can click one of the three categories that you talked about or one of the three opt-ins and then you get content based on your selection, but then you also put them into your like regularly scheduled sequence, correct? Yes. So for each one, no matter what, whatever checkbox they check, they automatically get the email that has that mini ebook in it. And then the next day, they all get the same welcome to my blog, you know, a background about who I am and what my blog is about and stuff like that. And then a few days later, I send another welcome email, giving them some of my most popular recipes and, you know, content that I don't want them to miss. And then about a week after they get their initial free ebook, they get another email that shows them how to use the things that they made since Mm. my ebook that has something like cheese. So here's my stuffed shell recipe or my lasagna recipe or whatever that you can use the cheese on or in. Mm, That's smart. So yeah. And I get so much direct traffic now as a result of these email sequences. I see people opening them and clicking on, you know, all of those posts that are in within my email sequence. So that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I love your strategy. So 
Aside from just figuring out the, that one or two or handful of problems, what other tips do you have for people who want to grow their lists? I guess just really taking the time to think about what they might want to sell in the future so that that list is primed for whatever it is, any kind of product or course or whatever it is that they would want to sell in the future. And also that they're going to be interested in the other recipes that you're putting out every week. So, you know, another thing that I didn't expect from growing my list is just how much direct traffic I'm getting. And every time I put out a new recipe, I know that I'm going to get an extra thousand clicks to my website that day because people are going to click on that email and come and click to the new recipe. So just thinking about what recipes that you have planned in the future and is that group of people going to also be interested in those recipes as well. Hmm. So tell us how drastically you grew your list because I think this is very good incentive, inspiration, encouragement for us to do this, to try this strategy out. Okay. Well, in the last year, in 2021, I grew my list by 20,000. The year before that, I also had an ebook on there as well. And I think it grew about 8,000 that year. Still amazing. Yeah. But it's also interesting. I had a lot more traffic in 2020 than I did in 2021. Hmm. Yet I doubled how many people oh, wow. had signed up for, for the ebook. And I think it just was more, just more targeted, you know. I was playing around with the pop-up, taking that off and things like that as well. But I think 2021, I I had a pop-up on my site almost the whole time. And that does help. Yeah. Pop-ups help. Use them. Yeah. Even though people tell you not to use them, (laughs) you should use them. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's incredible growth. I mean, you can't argue with that. And yeah. Such, yeah, yeah, and I and I know that maybe some SEO people will say don't use pop-ups. You know, it'll slow down your site or whatever, whatever pop-ups do. <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, I feel like growing my list has helped my SEO because my bounce rate has gone down significantly in the last year. Like as my list grows, my bounce rate also goes down. And on the days that I send out emails to my subscribers, my bounce rate is way down from the days that I don't. So I know that those people are my fans that are coming, that are clicking, staying on the page longer. They're clicking around my site more, even though they've been there before. But the time on page also goes up and my pages per session has also gone up significantly since my list has grown. So So it does like, it's like a domino effect. It can affect other parts of your business positively if you just keep at it. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that it helped grow my Pinterest Um, because I always put a Pinterest pin in every email that I send out. And I have, I've done that for a long time. And, you know, my subscribers tend to pin the pin that I put in the email and it gives it a bump right out of the gate, you know? Yeah. Occasionally I have forgotten. I haven't forgotten in a long time, but I I did notice 
years ago when I would forget to put a Pinterest pin in my email to subscribers. The pin just never did as well on Pinterest. That is an excellent tip. Do you have any other just kind of more general tips for sending out emails, whether it's like subject lines or like your tip about Pinterest, anything else along those lines? Well, I would say keep the emails pretty short. You know, you're like popping into their inbox and they have maybe 10 seconds to see what your email is about before they just delete it or click out of it or don't even click on it. So get right to the point about you have a new recipe or whatever it is that you're emailing them about. And then, yeah, I always do the Pinterest pin within there and, you know, tell them pin this to Pinterest for later because it might you know, they might think, oh, that looks good. But yeah, I, I'm not interested in making it this week or this month, but it looks great for 4th of July or something. And then I also add some related posts. So say I am doing a post for cream of celery soup and I say, hey, I have a new recipe on the blog today for cream of celery soup. They might hate celery. And if that's the case, then I put, you know, maybe five or six other soup recipes that would be cream of broccoli or something, you know, similar and related, but different. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that I get a lot of clicks to those as well. And when I just put one recipe, I don't get quite as many clicks overall. Okay. Do you have a top number of recipes to include in an email? Do you recommend? Because I know a lot of people put like a lot and some people put one. What is your thought? Yeah, I do send out kind of like a roundup almost of my recipes for like each holiday. Like on Mother's Day, I sent out an email a couple of days before Mother's Day. Like These are all the things you might want to make for your mom this weekend. And I usually stick around 10 to 12 I think more than that, it just becomes overwhelming. Mm. But that's also another way to, you know, serve your your list because when a holiday is coming up, everybody's kind of scrambling, looking for those recipes anyway. Remind them that you have them on your site. And it's also great because I can kind of control my traffic when RPMs are high. So I try not to send it out too far before a holiday because if I send it out that holiday weekend, RPMs are usually higher or if Christmas is coming, you know, happening on a Thursday, I might want to send out some Christmas recipes to them the Saturday or Sunday before because Mm -hmm. my RPMs are higher on the weekend. And I just know that I'm going to get more traffic from sending it out to my list on those days. So that is so smart. That's just a, such a simple little thing, but can make a huge difference. I mean, yeah. yeah. Wow. So like my RPMs are always lower on Fridays. So I never send an email out on a Friday, but Saturday mornings work really well or Sundays. And then, you know, there's time for people to open those emails and click on those, those links over the weekend. And yeah, right. I mean, it's yeah. just a little thing, but. No, that's <laughs> it, a great tip. Yeah. How many emails do you send out in your, just your regular sequence that, yeah, like your, just your main sequence, I guess? It's only four. They get the first email with their freebie. 
And then at the bottom of every email, when they first subscribe, I also tell them to look out for the next email. I think Mm -hmm. that's also important to train your audience to open your emails and look forward to your emails and know that something else is coming that's also going to benefit them. So they just kind of get in the habit of opening those emails and saying, oh, when whenever I get an email from her, it's usually something beneficial to me. So yeah, and then I do a welcome, just kind of general about, about me, about my blog, who I am. I also, you know, ask people if, if they have any questions, hit reply on the email. If they have a specific recipe that they want help with, or if they have a recipe that they want would like to make vegan, but it's not vegan, you know, reply and let me know how I can help them do that as well. I get an email almost every day, at least one, sometimes two or three wow. from people. Yeah. That are a lot Eating of times help thanking in some way. me. Yeah. A lot of times thanking me a lot of times. Well, I mean, a lot of times it's, you know, random stuff that I can't help them with, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, another tip would be to answer all of the emails the best that you can and just engage with those people. So if I send out an email and I might get a couple emails back saying, oh, this looks delicious, and I could end it there, but then I try to hit reply and say, oh, I hope you make it. I hope you enjoy it. You know, just one or two words, even not sometimes not even a full sentence, but just enough to know that I received their email. I'm a real person on the other end, and you know, I'm glad that they're on my list. Oh, yeah, just that little touch. I mean, it doesn't take that long to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Small investment of time it can go a long way. Yeah, because you know, I love my list. They have helped out my business so much. And so, you know, they're like my little family. And if they email me, I email them back, you know, the best I can. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't happen, but most of the time I do. Right. Mm, I love that you do that. What are we forgetting? Is there anything else people need to know if they really want to focus on growing their list this year? I think we covered most of it. The only other little tip I would say is to send out resends to unopened um, uh, emails. Yeah. I kind of forgot about that. And then someone in our group reminded me of it a few months ago. And since I started doing that, my open rate increased five to six percent for every wow. email when I hit the resend. So, yeah. and, you know, I, I send some out, you know, I usually send one out every weekend. People are busy on the weekend and things get buried in their inbox or whatever. So I'll send that one out again, maybe on Tuesday. And then kind of the same thing. I usually have another email that I send out midweek and I might resend that one Friday night or Saturday morning or something just to try to give it a couple days for them to open it and, you know, get them at a different time of day or whatever. Right. Oh, this is great, Monica. Thank you for the inspiration. I love thinking down the road to just like, what are people going to want And then figuring out what I need to do in order to get there. And that is exactly what you're doing. It's just, it's a long game. It's a long-term strategy. So don't get frustrated with it. (laughs) Know going in that you're going to be probably tweaking this for a while, but it's going to pay off eventually. Yeah. This has been three years in the works Mm -hmm. and 
I'm not done yet. So it's definitely a long game, but it's also really paying off for me now. Yeah, with awesome. a nice big engaged list. So yeah, it's been good. One last question. So I feel like vegan cheeses, like that's a really painful point. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. if you're vegan, people miss cheese and that's a pain right. point. I feel like a lot of us don't have that really significant pain point. But do you feel yeah. like there's a pain point in every blog that we can hit on? I think so. I mean, I didn't feel like there was anything that I had either. I mean, I racked my brain about this for months before I came up with the idea to do, you know, vegan a vegan cheese cookbook or whatever, you know. I, I think you kind of have to be creative and think, you know, what really put yourself in the mind of your reader and what they would be wanting and what's going to solve a problem that they would have. And then once you do, they're so grateful mm. for you solving that problem that, you know, they, they're big fans. They open your emails, they buy your books, they, you know, they're happy that you solved that problem for them. Yep. So, yeah, I think getting creative and it's going to be different for everyone, you know, especially if you're, a general blogger and and you haven't, you know, found your niche yet, I think that's kind of where the sweet spot is, is, you know, there's a lot of people making vegan recipes and it feels like, okay, vegan's already a niche, but I kind of had to go where no one else was going to because there were so many vegan bloggers that I was seeing and I was looking, okay, what are their opt-in offers? And I wanted something different. I wanted to have somebody come to my site and say, oh, wow, I've never seen this. This isn't just another, you know, weeknight meal or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, it requires some digging, I believe, and definitely some thinking and researching. But once you find those pain points, those pain points are gold. So hold on to them and figure out how to solve those problems for people Because think Mm -hmm. about like any pain point we have in our lives and when it gets really painful, we would do just about anything to have someone swoop in and solve the problem for us. So it's kind of, it's Mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's lots of different ways to do it and, you know, lots of different creative things that people can do and, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, I have these like 20 page eBooks that I give for free, which is also just an aside, is also a plan, you know, if they're getting this free ebook that's pretty great and, you know, 20 pages long, well, then the paid one has to be awesome. So that's kind of the mindset I have is give them something really good for free so they know how much better the paid version is going to be as well. Mm. But people don't have to do that either, you know, just even a little simple PDF that, you know, reminds people of cook times for different types of rice. Or, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was roasting for some vegetables and I couldn't remember, you know, what temperature I needed to roast different things at. And I was like, oh, that would be a great PDF if there was just different roast times for vegetables. You know, just things, just random things that maybe people could print out and put on their fridge as a quick guide in the kitchen. Yeah. 
I forget how long it takes me to cook different varieties of rice in my Instant Pot. Yeah. And I know there are like entire posts online dedicated to this, but I would rather not pull up a post and mm-hmm. read through it. I would love to have a quick guide on my fridge, like a magnet telling yeah. me how long to cook white rice versus brown rice versus other varieties. Just something really simple like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And or different beans or lentils or, right. uh, you know, so many different things that I kind of keep in my head like, okay, you know, I usually cook rice this amount of time or I always cook lentils for this long, but, you know, a reference guide that was a, like a chart, you know, just some yeah, right. pretty little chart that you could make up in, in Canva that people would be really appreciative of. Yep, for sure. Well, thank you, Monica. This was so fun and so valuable. Thanks for joining me today. It was a pleasure having you here. Finally, thank I'm you, so Megan. glad you yeah, came on. Thank you. Oh, so quotes or words of inspiration do you have either to share with us today? Kind of. <laughs> I'm not like a huge quote person, so I had a really hard time coming up with one. But I have a song that I listen to that inspires me. So like when I'm not feeling like working or I'm getting like down about my blog or whatever, then I just blast this song and it makes me feel better. (laughs) It's called Hey Mama by Nathaniel Rateliff. And it's... Oh, I like that song. Do you know know that that one? I do. I love Nathaniel Rateliff in general, but... Yeah, it's like this conversation basically that he's having with his mother about like, why haven't I made it big yet? Like, why haven't I succeeded? And she's just basically telling him, you haven't worked hard enough yet to say you failed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's way better than a quote. So that's... Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. I want to go hear that song now. I think I'm going to do that right after here. Yeah, you should. We're done here. (laughs) Good one. Okay, so we'll put show notes together for you, Monica, and you can go find those at eatblogtalk.com forward slash the hidden veggies. I'm going to have you tell everyone where they can find you online because they need to go look at your miraculous cheese (laughs) and all of the other miraculous vegan foods that you make because they do not taste vegan at all. So tell everyone where to find you. I am at thehiddenveggies.com. I am on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, I guess, at thehiddenveggies.com as well. And it is miraculous, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Monica's Miraculous Cheese. <laughs> Go check it out. Okay, well, thank you again, Monica, for being here. And thank Thanks you for so listening much. today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.